Okay, guys, we're in lesson six today. We're going we're gonna to have a nice discussion today. Last week we talked about how to communicate with the nuns. Now, I'm not talking about uh, the Catholic sisters, okay? I'm talking about N-O-N-E-S, or the nothing in particular. That's folks who claim to be nothing in particular. And in our society right now, that's almost 20% of our society claims to be nothing in particular. So we talked last week about how to communicate and share with them the gospel. I thought we would hit the next big group immediately and talk today about how to talk to Catholics and Orthodox, as well as the Protestant group, Episcopalians. Okay? How many of you have seen an Episcopal church? I think there's one in Clearfield, there's one in Osceola Mills, uh, there's one in Houtsdale, you know, so... The Episcopal Church is very, we, we're familiar with that. But when we talk about talking with Catholics or Orthodox or even the Episcopals, we're going to talk about some of the same things. And so what we're going to do is we're going to break this, our, our lesson up into three sections today. We're going to talk about a failure to communicate. We're going to talk about, you know, why we've been having some problems communicating with each other. We're going to talk about our common history, because you maybe are not aware of it, Maybe you were raised and you were said, well, I'm this and I'm not a good, whatever. No, but we have a common history, whether you realize it or not. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. And then we're going to talk about some things to consider as far as talking with Catholics about Jesus. Okay? So let's, uh, or Orthodox. So let's talk, first of all, let me help you to understand what we're talking about with reference to who we're talking about. I've told you that the nuns are... Uh, 20%. Let's talk about Catholics for a moment. 23% of Americans claim to be Catholic. Okay? This is out of the last census figure. 23% claim to be Catholic. 0.6% of Americans claim to be Orthodox. Now that would either be Russian Orthodox or Greek Orthodox. Okay? And we have both in this area, right? Yeah, we have both in this area, okay? Now, when we talk about Clearfield County, among those who attend church in Clearfield County, isn't this interesting? 42% are Catholic. Okay? That's a, that's a little bit higher, isn't it? Okay, so 42% of those who attend church in Clearfield County are Catholic. And here's another one. Among those who attend church in Clearfield County, 1.2% are Orthodox. Now, anybody have anybody know why? Oh, let's talk about the Orthodox. Room. Anyone know why that's higher here in this area compared to the national average? Yes, Mr. Slovak, Tom Olasky. Yep, that's exactly right. Because in Pennsylvania, there is a, a, a significant population. That is Slovakian of some type, Slovak, you know, Ukrainian or Russian, okay? Thank you, Mr. Uh, Polish uh, Slovak Tom Olasky, okay? So, yes, okay. The Heinz variety, yes. Well, and that's basically where you become the Heinz variety, right? Okay? All right, let's go on here now. You can include the Episcopal Church in this. The reason why is is because we're going to see they have a common history. They're more Catholic, actually, than they are Protestant, even though they are a Protestant denomination. So when we talk about 
communicating with Catholics or Orthodox, you can include in that the mainline group of Protestants, which is the Episcopals, okay? Because they're more actually more Catholic than they are um, Protestant. In fact, you know, one of the recent controversies with the Episcopal Church is the ordination of gays and same-sex marriage. So what the Catholic Church has done is, is that it's opened its arms to any Episcopals or, they, or Anglicans, because that's originally, we'll talk about that in a minute when we talk about the history, to come back to the Catholic Church, and a large number are. Okay? A large number are. So you can include the Episcopal Church in this. Here's the thing. Protestants and Catholics have historically been antagonistic towards each other. Anybody not know that? Historically, Protestants and Catholics for the last 600 years have been antagonistic towards each other. And, I mean, serious animosities. Okay? I I have witnessed it. I have seen it. You have seen it. You maybe have participated in it. Here's the other problem, though. Here's the failure to communicate. Protestants tend to paint Catholics with the same brush. You know, we, we, we like to generalize, and when we talk about Catholics, we put Catholics in one big group, and we just think they're all like each other, okay? And they're all the same. Well, what we're going to find out is that they're not all the same, okay? Simply calling yourself a Catholic does not mean the same thing. And we'll see what that is here in a moment, okay? So... The other thing is, and this is where I, I get kind of ticked off, is that Protestants tend to ridicule Catholics. You know, I've heard things like this, referring to the priests like Father Fish, Fish Fry, you know, stuff like that. that. Can I be honest with you? That's just plain disrespectful. And in fact, if you want to write this down at the top of your page, when we talk about communication, not just with Catholics, not just with the nuns, when we talk about communication with anybody as far as sharing the gospel, the key thing is, is you need to show respect to people. Do you understand what I'm saying? You need to show respect to people. Because if you're not showing any respect to people, are they going to listen to you when you share about Jesus? No, not at all. You know what I'm saying? If you don't respect them and their belief even if you feel that their belief system is wrong, you know, you're going you're to generate problems, okay? So, here's the thing. What, you know, I said there's animosity between Catholics and Protestants. The tensions have their roots in historical and ethnic animosities. The tensions have their roots in historic, historical and ethnic animosities. In fact, I'll, I'll be honest with you, a lot of times it has more to do with historical grudges and ethnic grudges more than anything else. In fact, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I've known, of, I've known of like two different towns that the one group of Catholics in one town doesn't like the group of Catholics in the other town. And you look back and the reason why is Well, in one town, they were primarily Irish. And in the other town, they were primarily Italian. And that has to do with ethnic animosities. Do you understand what I'm saying? Or, 
For instance, like I used to pastor in Canada, and I remember I've met a few times with the priest there in our town and had coffee with him and stuff and interacted with him. And and he would refer to us Protestants as the English. Well, he, he was English. What do you mean, we're the English? Okay. Well, in Canada, the, historically, the animosity is between the English and the French, and the French were primarily, if not all, Catholic. Okay. And there they had, you know, like, for instance, you know, Americans, we, we don't understand. So how many of you are going to celebrate St. Patty's Day here in a few weeks? You're going to wear your green. Okay. Some of you will wear green, okay? That, that's a Catholic holiday. Protestant Irish don't wear green. They wear orange. I didn't know that until I went to Canada. I thought you pinched people who don't wear green. You know what I'm saying? On, on, you know, I, I didn't know anything, okay? So I go up there, and I find out that there's something called the Orange Order. Now, what is that? And what it is, is that it's, it's a group that comes out of the battle of William of Orange. And it's a, I mean, a group that totally exists for animosity towards Catholics. Okay? And they have their marches. Now, in Canada, they still have the Orange March, but it's mostly old people, because young people don't get involved in the Orange Order anymore. So they're dying off, thankfully. And so what I'm saying to you is, is that historically... There are reasons why there's aggression, and ethnically there are reasons why there's aggression. Okay? So if you think about it, so you've got the German-English farmers in the area. Their animosity is towards the towns because they're filled with what? Italians and Irish and anybody else, Slovaks. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? So there's, and, and a lot of times what happens is, is that religion gets dragged into it. Okay? So let's go on here for a moment. We're going to see another reason here. Past conflicts tend to define our present approaches. Past conflicts tend to define our present approaches with people. So, okay, so let's, let's talk for a moment here. Let's, let's talk about the common history. Most Protestants have no clue about where we came from or our history. Or if we do, it's very vague. So let me just kind of go through this right here, first of all. Let me just say this. Protestants, Catholics, and Orthodox share a common history. We share a common history, folks. So let me explain to you the common history. I've got a map of it. Everybody can see my map? Okay, let's go all the way back to the beginning. Jesus is ascended into heaven. The church starts where, folks? Jerusalem, okay, if you can see through the shield there, Jerusalem. And so pretty much for about 30 or 40 or 50 years after the time of Jesus, the most prominent church in Christendom was Jerusalem. Now we know from history that what happened was is that they went out from Jerusalem, like down into Egypt and over into Carthage. They went up into Antioch, and you know about Paul's journeys into Asia Minor, and then over into Macedonia, and then ultimately he went to Rome. Uh, and some, you know, some church history says that after his first imprisonment, he even went over into Spain. Okay, and we know that the church then spreads, and so he, they start churches in these towns that they go to. 
Now, if you read your Bible, like if, for instance, if you go to, I think it's 1 Timothy chapter 3, it talks about selecting a bishop. Now, the bishop, the English translation is bishop. It's also translated as overseer. It also means elder. What they did is they appointed elders and pastors over these, these churches in these cities. And so what eventually happened, first of all, we don't know who started the church at Rome. The Catholics say Peter did. But the church was already in existence before Peter ever got there. It's more than likely, because we read in Acts 2, that there were some from Rome in Jerusalem when the Holy Spirit came, that they went back and started a church in Rome. So the church existed there. So what ended up happening is, is in Rome and in, in, in other places of the, of the empire, in major cities where they had churches, you have these bishops that are appearing. Like there was a bishop down in Alexandria, a bishop over in Asia Minor, and so forth. Now what ends up happening is this. After the death of the last apostle, which would have been John, sometime around A.D. 90, the church is pretty much established throughout all of the known Roman Empire. Some history says that uh, Timoth- uh, one of the uh, apostles went all the way over into, I think it was Andrew, went all the way over into India. So what happens is, is basically you're having one church, which is where we get the word Catholic. Catholic means universal, one. Okay? So what ended up happening is this. The bishop in Rome decided to claim for himself primacy. And he was the chief bishop of all the bishops. Okay? Because, and it had more to do, not with theological reasons, it had to do with that the center of the Roman Empire was where? In Rome. Okay? Now, if you know anything about Roman history, at a certain point, the Roman Empire was divided into two empires, an Eastern and a Western Empire. And so the Western Empire was ruled by Rome. The Eastern Empire ended up being ruled in what we know as Constantinople, which is not on this map, because this is an ancient map. Of course, the bishop in Rome claims primacy, but now that the emperor is in Constantinople, the bishop there is claiming primacy. And of course, you can't have two head dudes, right? Okay? Now, having said that, let me just stop for a moment. Simply because the bishop here in Rome claims that he's superior doesn't mean that the guy in Alexandria is going to listen to him. In fact, the other bishops didn't listen to him. But you have to understand, this guy has sway over what? Most of Europe. Okay? So, what ends up happening with, is that the Orthodox emerge. Okay? The Orthodox, what we call the Greek Orthodox. Down here in Alexandria, what emerges is what we know as the Copts, the Coptic Church. In fact, some of you right now, when you listen to... How many of you hear what's going on in Egypt right now? You listen to the news, you hear about Egypt, and you hear about the Christian minorities in Egypt. How many of you have heard that in the news? That's the Copts. That's the Coptic Church. They are as old, if not older, than the Roman Church. Or the Orthodox Church. They're all from the same period of history. Do you understand? So we're all sharing a common history here. 
All right, so let's fast forward. So you basically got three groups emerging. Okay, splintering now. Actually, four groups, because down here, uh, down below Egypt, there is Ethiopia. They have their own Coptic church as well, the Ethiopian Coptic church. So let's fast forward about 1400 to a monk by the name of Martin Luther in Germany. And what by that point, the Catholic Church is, the Roman Catholic Church, is, is, has become corrupted in its theology and corrupted in some of its practices. And so Martin Luther becomes very offended at that, and that's when he writes the 99 Theses. And of course what happens out of that is what we know as the Reformation. So he leads the Reformation in northern Germany, because southern Germany remains... Catholic, and is to this day. Okay? Switzerland, you'll see a reformation that's taking place under a guy by the name of Zwigli, as well as another gentleman by the name of Calvin. Okay? But, and in Switzerland, it's part Catholic and part Protestant. Okay? So you see the emergence there. In Britain, how Britain became Protestant had nothing to do with theology. So this is where the Episcopal Church comes from, the Anglican Church. What do you mean it had nothing to do with theology? Well, Henry VIII was a very devout Catholic. And would still be Catholic if it hadn't been for a problem that he had. And his problem that he had was is he liked the ladies. And he had his first marriage annulled by the Pope because she couldn't produce an heir for him, so he remarried. When she couldn't produce an heir, he wanted to do the same thing again. Well, at this point, the Pope's not giving him an annulment. Okay? So he's got to divorce her, and as a Catholic, can you divorce? No. Okay. So what ends up happening is you have the start of the Anglican Church. And that's why the king is, whether you realize it or not, the king is the head of the Anglican Church. Did you know that? Queen Elizabeth is the head, the ceremonial head of the Anglican Church. And they tend to be very Catholic in their worship and everything that they do. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you see, we, we basically, out of the, Protestant churches came out of the Reformation. The Reformation of what? The Reforma to reform the what? Catholic Church. So we share the uh, same history. Now, out of that Reformation, of course, things didn't go well. It's not like they, you, know, you, you can just decide you're going to do your own thing. In that day and age, you got hung or killed. They had wars. So you got those historical animosities. Now, I'm just giving you a brief overview there. Okay. So basically what I want you to see is, historically, Protestants were once Catholics. Okay? Historically, we were once Catholics. Now, here's the other thing you may not realize. We share a common theology. You know, like, so most of the creeds of the Catholic Church we would accept. Like the Nicene Creed. Most of the creed, you know, we would accept the councils that, that put together the canon of scripture and everything. We would, those were all done by the Catholic Church folks. I don't know if you realize that, okay? 
So we share a common theology, although there are significant differences. What do you mean significant differences? Well, the Reformation took place for a reason. And that was because, at that point, the Catholic Church said that it was the key to a person's salvation. And whether you performed the sacraments or not ensured whether or not that you were saved. However, Luther said from Romans that a man or a woman is justified by what? Faith. That's a significant difference. So there are some significant differences. We share a common theology, although there are some significant differences. Okay, so now let's talk about some things to consider, okay? Because every one of you here, because of the area we live in, knows somebody who's Catholic. It may be a family member, because maybe you're an ex-Catholic, okay? It may be somebody you work with, somebody who's your neighbor, somebody who's your friend. So the chances are you're going to talk to either a Catholic person, and a slimmer chance you're going to talk to an Orthodox person, maybe, and even even slimmer than that is you might talk to somebody who goes to the Anglican to the Episcopal Church. So, what do we need to talk about here? Well, here's some things to consider. First of all, I need you to realize this. There is a growing dissatisfaction right now among Catholics. Anybody know why? They're kind of shaken right now in their trust in their system. Uh, yeah, hold on. Mike, I saw your hand. Yeah, the sex abuse thing. That's exactly right. And it's not going away. Do you understand what I'm saying? And it's not going away. So there's a growing dissatisfaction right now among Catholics. So, okay, there's a growing dissatisfaction. So you need to be aware of that. Here's the other thing. When we talk about talking to Catholics, you have to start with Jesus. You don't, do you understand? That's the starting point. That's where you have, you have a common, there's, you understand you have something in common with them? What do you mean? Well, unlike a nun who doesn't believe anything, a Catholic will believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that Jesus is God. Do you understand what I'm saying? We have a lot in common with them that you can talk to them about. But where do you start with them? Do you start with your church? No, no, you don't start talking about churches with them. You start talking about the person of Jesus Christ. Because really that's the issue, isn't it? We want them to come to know Jesus Christ in a personal way, by faith. So here's the thing. Stay away from the issue of which church is right. Now, this is where we've gotten in ourselves in trouble in the past, is we start talking about churches. Well, my church is better than your church, or my church is right and your church is not right. You're not going to get anywhere when you talk to a Catholic about bashing their church. Why? Because unlike Protestants, their identity of who they are is tied to being a Catholic. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when you attack their church, you're attacking them. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you attack their church, you're attacking them. You're not going to get anywhere bad-mouthing their church. You know what I'm saying? So stay stay with the person of Jesus. Because I mean, that's what we're... I mean, let me ask you something. When we talk to a Catholic, what's our purpose in talking to them? Get them to come to our church or get them to know Jesus Christ as their Savior? What's, what's our purpose? 
Get them to know Jesus Christ is our Savior. It's not whether or not they come to our church. Okay? So, here's the thing. Don't talk about being Catholic or Protestant. Stay away from that discussion. Stay away from it. Don't, don't, don't get into labels. Get into the person of Jesus. So what are you going to talk about? Talk about being a follower of Jesus Christ. That changes the whole discussion. See, because in their mind, they can still be Catholic and be a what? Follower of Jesus Christ. That's the issue. So stay away from that discussion. In fact, here's what you need to realize. Catholics are not all the same. We like to paint them in a broad brush and say they're all the same. They're not all the same. Why? Well, I'm going to give you four reasons why. Because here's the thing. Some Catholics are Catholic in name only. Do you understand that? They're Catholic in name only. Some attend church rarely. What does that mean? Well, maybe they go to Mass on Christmas Eve and they, and they participate in Easter. Okay? But they attend rarely. So, I mean, we've got Baptists or, and, and non-denominational people who do that, right? We only see them at Easter and... Okay? So we can't paint them all the time. Some are practicing Catholics. Now, what does that mean? Well, they go to Mass regularly. They go to confession. They're involved in things. But that doesn't necessarily mean... I mean, they're doing it more out of ritual... Because that's what they're supposed to do, and sometimes it's because that's what mom wants them to do. Okay? More than anything. And then there's a fourth group. Some are devout Catholics. That's even different than a practicing Catholic, because you can be a practicing Catholic and not be devout. But the fourth group is, is that some are devout. And they tend to be more women than they are men, although there are some men who are in that group. Okay, And so here's what I'm saying. When you talk about a Catholic, you can't just paint them all with one brush. They're at different levels even in their own belief system. Do you understand what I'm saying? And what has to happen is, remember what we've talked about when we've talked about sharing the gospel with others, you've got to find out where they're at. Do you understand what I'm saying? You've got to communicate with them enough to know where they're at. Where are they in this? Okay? Where are they? Alright, so let's go on now. Here's another thing you're going to have to make a decision about. Decide how you'll approach them. A tradition or a cult? Most Protestants tend to approach them as a cult. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. That is not proper. Here's why I'm going to tell you why. Because here's the thing. Catholics believe in the Trinity. Cults don't. You understand what I'm saying? A cult does not believe in the Trinity. In fact, a cult denies the Trinity. Catholics believe that Jesus was fully God and fully human. Alright? Cults do not. Cults deny the deity of Jesus Christ. So you have to be very careful. 
what we need to view them as is as a tradition of Christianity. Now, they may not, maybe their members or people who are attending there do not fully grasp what it means to be saved. But let me explain something. Let's, let's illustrate it here a little bit, okay? All right, Brad, I'm going to use you, I'm going to use you, Bruce, okay? And I'm going to use you, Scott. So, Brad, I want you to go stand all the way in the back back there, okay? Brad's going to represent the nuns. And remember, we've got our, our area of progression here, okay? And that's from, where somebody who doesn't believe anything, doesn't know anything, all the way up to the front here where it is an understanding of Christ and coming to faith, okay? So Brad's the nuns. Bruce is going to be my Muslim guy. I'm going to call him Ahmed, okay? Come on here, Ahmed, okay? Where would you like me at? I would like you over here, okay? I kill you. Okay. He's going to be right here. Now, why? Because he believes in a God. He also believes in Jesus. But he's way from there, but he's a lot closer than the guy who doesn't believe anything. Scott's going to be my Catholic guy here, okay? I want you to stand right here, Scott. Come a little bit closer. Scott's right here. He is a lot closer to grasping and understanding that salvation is by faith alone than Ahmed or my dude in the back who doesn't believe anything. Did you? Because <laughs> he's a nun, all right? Did you understand what I'm saying? We tend to lump them all together and we all think they're right back there with Brad. But no, you've got to understand something. He already has an understanding, a Catholic already has an understanding that Jesus Christ is the Son of... You guys can sit down. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He is fully God, fully man, that He died on the cross for our sins, that He rose from the dead, that He ascended to the Father. Whoa! I mean, I don't need to convince them of that. They're already convinced. What do I need to talk to them about? What the meaning of Jesus' death was. Did you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, Bruce. Yes, there are. Yeah, there, I have talked to priests who are believers. See, here's the thing. The issue isn't a church. The issue is them coming to the place of understanding that Jesus Christ is the only means to salvation. Not the sacraments, not doing all this other stuff, good works or whatever. It's Jesus Christ alone. See, that's where the point of discussion has to be. You understand what I'm saying? So you've got to make a decision. Are you going to label them a tradition or a cult? I'm going to tell you right now, if you're labeling a cult, you're wrong. Yeah, maybe they've got some screwed up theology. But it takes somebody talking with them about it. So let's go on now. Here's what I want you to see. Being a Catholic is just as much about family as it is theology. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you. It's more about family than it is theology. Do you understand, when you talk to a Catholic and you make it a church issue, you are body slamming their family. Because Catholics are very family oriented. And for them to make a decision against what they believe, it's almost like I'm making a decision against Grandma. Because maybe Grandma, everybody else is practicing or barely going, but Grandma's devout. She's always doing the rosary. Do you understand? She's always at Mass. 
you know what I'm saying? And, and, and so what, if I do something that's contrary, do you understand what I'm saying? It's like I'm slamming my grandma. Now, how many of you want to slam your grandma here? Nobody wants to do that, right? So you've got to understand that. Stay away from talking about the church. Talk to them about who Jesus is, what he did for them, and the understanding of that. Do you understand what I'm saying? It changes the whole discussion. See, and here's the other thing. Don't make an issue about the Catholic Bible. Because when you do, you're talking completely out of ignorance. What do you mean, I'm talking out of ignorance? Well, here's the thing. The key thing is, if you're going to tell them to read a Bible, if you want them to read something from the Bible, give them the verse, they'll look at it in their Bible. That's fine. Why? Because the Catholic Bible is the English translation of the Latin Vulgate. Okay, what's that? That was the very first translation of the Greek text. Jerome, okay, translated the Greek text into Latin so that people in that day could read it. The Jerusalem Bible, other Bibles that are Catholic, are translations of the Latin Vulgate. So there's not going to be that much difference. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's not going to be that much difference. You can still say to them, well, you know, go to your Bible and look at John 3.16, or, or go and look at what it says about this in Paul. And the translation isn't going to be that much different than your Protestant translation. Do you understand? So don't make an issue of the Catholic Bible. In fact, here's what I would say. You need to make, the only issue you need to make about the Catholic Bible is, are you reading it? Because they tend not to read it. Yeah, they tend not to read it. Okay? So you want to get them to read it. And if I'm going to talk to them about the person of Jesus, if they've got a Bible and it's a Jerusalem Bible, hey, that's okay. The only thing I don't agree with the Jerusalem Bible is the inclusion of the Apocrypha. Because that's not Scripture. But they're not reading that anyhow, so I'm not going to send them to 2 Maccabees. Okay? I'm going to send them to John. Or Matthew or Luke. Do you understand what I'm saying? All right, let, let's go on here because we're, we're going to break. Here, here's the other one. Don't argue over the Virgin Mary. Yeah, they make more of her than they should, but we make less of her than we should. Do you understand what I'm saying? Catholics may make more of her because through the centuries they've added tradition upon tradition concerning her. We've actually downplayed her in the Protestant church. So it might behoove you to say, yeah, I, I believe that she was, you know, what you believe about her. It's okay to communicate, but don't get an argument with them about that. Do you understand? Because here's the point. Here's what I want you to see. This is what you need to grasp when we talk about talking to a Catholic. Most Catholics don't understand every detail of their theology. In fact, they, they leave that in one person's hands to worry about. Who's that? The priest. Do you understand what I'm saying? All that matters to them is, is that are they coming, are they participating in, in the life of the church, and you know, are they fulfilling the sacraments? All that detail stuff is up to the priest. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, so listen, guys, you can talk to them. But we've got to drop the ethnic and the historical animosities. Well, I think the ethnic animosities is pretty much gone now, hopefully. Because we've become Heinz 57. 
Okay? But the historical animosities and stuff are still there. So we need to drop this. Grab a coffee, guys.